Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 190 with Jody Glickman. Jody is talking about making folks love you at work through better communications. So you'll learn one, the gift framework for better communication, two, how to master the hello and goodbye, and three, pro tips for managing expectations. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep190. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some of our handy resources. One I'll highlight is the Gold Nugget email summaries. So if you're running or driving or listening to the show and wish you could take notes but just don't have the chance to put pen to paper, we actually take those notes for you, send them right to your email box. So you can sign up that way at awesomeatyourjob.com or also simply texting NUG, that's N-U-G, to 444-999. If you text NUG to three fours and three nines, you'll sign up right from your smartphone. Now, here is Jody's story. Jody Glickman is an entrepreneur, author, public speaker, consultant, and all-around expert in training people how to be great on the job. She is a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review and the author of the critically acclaimed Great on the Job, What to Say, How to Say It, The Secrets of Getting Ahead. Here's Jody. Jody, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, I'm super excited to have you. And it seems like you walk your talk. I want to hear, first of all, you know, a couple tales that I learned about you. I understood that at one point early in your career, you got a summer internship at ExxonMobil without even having an interview. How does that happen? <laughs> um, it, it happens in a very roundabout and happenstance way. I decided when I was in business school that I was going to be a management consultant or bust. And so I interviewed with Bain and McKinsey and everyone else, and I didn't, uh, I didn't get the, I didn't get the job. And so I was halfway through my first year in business school. It was March. Everyone else had their offers lined up, and it's kind of that time when you start panicking. And um, the treasurer of ExxonMobil was coming to campus to give a presentation, and he was interviewing candidates the next day. And I had actually worked for the Environmental Protection Agency before business school. So ExxonMobil was nowhere on my radar where I wanted to work when I grew up. But I went to go listen to the treasurer of ExxonMobil, and it was a fascinating conversation. He was a great speaker, and he talked all about global energy policy and the role of ExxonMobil in the world. Um, as it related to energy policy. And so after the presentation, I went up to him and I introduced myself. And I mentioned that um, I was very interested in global energy policy. I was passionate about the work they were doing, that I had been a Peace Corps volunteer before business school and also worked at the Environmental Protection Agency. And the treasurer looked at me and he said, why aren't you on my interview list tomorrow morning? And the truth is, Pete, I don't remember what I said to him, but he called the next morning and offered me the job which put the Career Services Center in a bit of a pickle because they had 10 students who did actually interview. But it just goes to show that through networking, through a really um, interesting and inspiring conversation, the treasurer thought to himself, wow, Jody should come work for us. Well, that's so intriguing. 
it's a shame you don't remember because that's what I really want to know the most. But I mean, you know yourself, if you were to speculate as to what you think you might have said, what would it be? It probably wasn't because I'm disgusted by everything that you stand for. Correct. So So here's the thing. When I am talking to people and teaching them about networking and interviewing and pitching yourself, what I always say is you need to start with your destination. You need to look forward and tell me what you want to be when you grow up, what you're doing now that's really exciting, what you care about. And then you go to your backstory and tell me all the interesting things that you've done. And so I think that I'm sure where the conversation went was I talked about the fact that I was very interested in global energy policy. I was fascinated by what ExxonMobil was doing both on the traditional oil um, side of things in the production and the you know exploration, but also in terms of alternative fuel technologies. And so I started with the fact that I was looking forward. And then when you express that level of interest and passion that someone's automatically going to say, well, what, you know, what did you do? Have you worked in the energy industry? And I said, well, I actually worked on the other side, right? I worked uh, as a regulator at the Environmental Protection Agency, but I believe in the power of business and industry to solve big problems. And so that was, I'm sure, where the conversation went. I also do remember mentioning sort of cheeky, I said, listen, I I drive a car and I use lights. I'm not anti-energy, right? I mean, it makes... So as we talked, it seemed like, why wouldn't I go to ExxonMobil for the summer and learn about the energy industry from the other side? Mm-hmm. And I like that. And when you were talking about looking forward, I mean, you're also naturally at the same time talking about the stuff that they already find interesting. Well, correct. Because listen, when someone meets you, you know, with all due respect, no one really cares about all the things you've done in your life and where you went to school and what you studied and how long you had an internship and how many jobs you've had. People want to know, what are you doing now? What do you want to do next? What are you excited about? What keeps you energized? What's the next problem you're solving? Like as humans, we care about the future and what comes next. We tend to tune out when people tell us about how great they are and all the great things they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so now I want to dig into some more of the how and the execution of this. So could you make the case for us here for, first of all, you know, why the things we say and the way that we say them is really kind of among the most fundamental skills to being great on the job? Sure. Listen, you know, I always say we're living in an age of technology and technology is amazing. It, It makes our life better in so many ways, but you know, I'd ask you the question, Pete, have you ever, you know, closed a really important big deal on the phone without meeting someone in person? You know, we're in the process of buying a house as we speak. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking through all the main characters and I've met most of them in person, although I guess none of the mortgage people <laughs> have I met in person, but yeah, the, a healthy majority for sure. You've met in person, right? Right. I mean, You wouldn't hire your realtor after talking to them on the phone. Listen, you're never getting promoted because of a brilliant email you sent. You're never closing a deal with someone in business when you haven't met them face-to-face. And so business is and always will be a personal thing. No matter how great technology makes our lives, it is all about that face-to-face live conversation and that real human meaningful connection you make with people. And there are people in my life from social media and in work and in business who I get to know very well over the phone. And then you meet them in person and everything changes. So what we say and how we say it, it's the ability to have a live face-to-face conversation with someone, to look them in the eye, to be confident, 
to be able to persuade, to be able to disagree, to be able to share an idea or a vision and do it in a way that you come across as smart and thoughtful. And so for a generation of young people who are growing up with technology really as part of who they are, you know, texting and and IMing and email messaging and Facebook, it's not enough. You can't walk into the business world and expect to be successful if you can't have a live conversation with someone who is 20 years your senior or who is a very different experience than you or who is in charge of your organization. You just can't. Okay, I'm sold. So now could you maybe open it up by sharing, you know, what are some of those kind of overall principles? rather that you have a number of particular tools and tactics, which I'm excited to dig into. But maybe even before we go there, can we zoom out and hear your take on what are some of the foundational principles that you think about, you rely upon time and time again to guide what to say and how to say it? Sure. So I think the first one I think about is generosity is at the core of everything that Great on the Job does. And you and I potentially are going to speak about that in a little bit. But one of the things I always think about is how do you make it easy on the person receiving information? So how do you make it easy for your listener? If I send you a four and a half page email, I promise you, Pete, you're not going to read it. Oh, so true. And it's so funny with the pitches that I, well, I get so many now, which is a blessing. You know, I didn't think I'd be there a year ago, but I'm just sort of like, what exactly are you asking of me? And it's like, in today's global competitive, re- I was like, yeah, but what are you going to say? And why are you good? And are you engaging? Like, that's really what I want to know. Are you relevant to my audience? Are you authoritative? And are you engaging? And it's just like, it just seems like folks are trying to kind of hop on and like, what does Uber's scandal have to say about this? Like, I I don't care. Do you have something to say to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work? And are you authoritative and engaging and saying that? So uh, you got me ranting, Jody. sorry. But yeah, make it easy for me, please. Make it easy, right? (laughs) If you a pitch that's four and a half pages, you're not going to read. So make it easy on your listener and you need to lead with the punchline. You need to tell me, right? Front and center, what's new, different or important or what's in it for me. You know, don't bury the lead. Don't give me four and a half pages of all the background work you've done or how smart you are or how qualified. It's like, what do I need to know right now to make a decision? Mm -hmm. So that's, I think... People don't think of generosity as a key skill in communicating. And in my mind, it's one of the most important. And I'm always asking myself that question. How can I make it easy on the person receiving this message? And what I love about that notion that generosity is the word for this, because fundamentally that means you are making a sacrifice. You are going to take more time, more energy, more attention to put the communication out there. And it is for that person's benefit. They say, oh, okay, this is clearly what you want and need. And you've sort of gone through, because it takes real time to do an extra level of pruning and thoughtful consideration there. Well, that's exactly right. And that is Mark Twain's famous quip. If I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. Right. You know, everyone, you're exactly, it's time. It's it's you're taking the time to think about that message before you make someone else listen to you. Mm -hmm. All right. So generosity, key principle. Are there more? Yeah. So you want to talk, we can go into the gift of great on the job there, the backdrop of, of everything I do, everything I care about, everything I believe in, everything I teach and the, the gift of great on the job. It is generosity initiative, forward momentum and transparency. And so I 
argue that those are the backdrop of all successful communicators and all successful professionals. And it's interesting when you look at them through the lens of if someone doesn't take initiative with me, it drives me batty, right? If I, if you tell me that, you know, an update on something or or give me the status of a project, but then don't tell me what's coming next or what you're doing to move the ball forward, I'm always left hanging like, okay, thanks for the update. Now what? Mm-hmm. What are you doing next, right? How are we moving the ball forward? You know, Jody, it's funny you're talking about being all about the strategy consulting firms. And I actually do a lot of case interview coaching for people currently pursuing those opportunities. And that's one of my common feedback points. I say is like, okay, you, you've run a bunch of numbers and you've given me the final sum or, you know, product or quotient. Right. Now tell me what it means. You know, And so I think that's a common feedback point in terms of you think once you've said the answer that you're done, but you're not quite done. No, you're not. It, it makes me laugh because I was an investment banker. And so early on in my career, you know, you're valuing companies and you're doing a discounted cash flow and you're coming up with this stock price. This is the projected stock price. And I'll never forget learning the lesson the hard way when... I did my discounted cash flow and I got to the answer and I had my stock price and the, my senior banker looked at me and said, well, okay, Jody, is it undervalued or overvalued? And I thought, oh, I, I, I don't know that answer. I just gave you a number, right? And it was so the deer in the headlights. No one cares about a number. It's what's the meaning of that number. So exactly to your point, what does that mean? What did that analysis, what did that analysis show you? And again, I can take that back to generosity, right? Don't make me guess at what that number means. Tell me. that. So that's another thing I think about um, a universal truth is have an opinion. Tell me what you think the right answer is. Tell me what you are working towards, right? Don't come to me at work and say, hey, Jody, what should I do? Mm-hmm. It's like, no. You're smart, you're talented, you're capable. Tell me what you think the right course of action is and come to me and ask me for feedback. Am I moving in the right direction? Do you think I'm missing anything here? Are these the right key points to cover? I like that idea there. And it seems like the theme when you talk about initiative is that I guess at its core is you're not just saying something and letting it lie. It's You're always kind of leaning into just the next step or the next piece or the next implication whether that's here's what I think is next or here's my proposed solution or here's what this means. It's sort of always just pushing it so that momentum is is in the picture. It's still there. Yeah, it's baked in. You're absolutely right. You know, I always will ask if, I, if I'm in front of a large audience. So I do a lot of corporate training for Fortune 100 firms and speaking at business schools. And I'll say, you know, how many of you were, you know, sitting there one day and the phone rang and someone offered you admission to Harvard Business School, right? Or... Everyone looks at you like you're kind of strange. Or who here got an offer at Abbott Labs for the summer internship program and you didn't apply for it? You didn't work your tail off to get to be in this room. You know, we understand initiative intuitively when we're trying to get something. We're trying to get admission to university or we're trying to get a new job, right? But initiative is no less important when you're on the job in an organization working as an entrepreneur. It's always about what's next. Like, how am I working towards that next goal? So I always say that I am a a social liberal and a workplace conservative. And what I mean by that is it is 100% your responsibility to make stuff happen. You raise your hand, you ask for those opportunities. You think about next steps. You are always moving the ball forward and taking initiative because no one's going to do it for you. Okay, 
Very nice. And then how about the next one? We have an F here, the forward momentum. Right. Well, that, you know, that plays into just what we were speaking about. You said that it's almost, you take the ball and you run with it, right? The initiative is, okay, I'm going to do this. And the forward momentum is I'm going to keep it going until the next step. Or once we achieve a goal, I'm going to think about what comes next. And so I will always ask people, you're working on this big project. You've just done this creative brief for a new brand you're launching and you go take it to your CMO and your CMO says, great job, congratulations. And then what does your CMO say? chief marketing officer. She says, okay, great job. Congratulations. Take the day off. (laughs) No, she says, okay, great job. Congratulations. What's next? Right. Right. What do we do next? And and that's the reason she's in the, you know, the chief role. Anyone who is running an organization. And I also think entrepreneurs, right? We understand intuitively. It's always about moving the ball forward. It is about how can I advance the cause for the organization or for myself individually. You never rest on your laurels. Okay. And now how about the transparency? Transparency comes up in that I always say I'm not teaching a class on ethics and and I'm teaching communication strategies. Let's assume as a baseline that you don't lie. Let's just start there as the premise. I assume the best in everyone. But transparency is about taking it one step further. It's about saying, okay, if I don't know the answer to a question, I'm going to acknowledge that and then I'm going to go get the information for you. Or if I see a problem coming down the pipeline, I'm not going to hide from it and hope it goes away, right? Worst strategy ever. Instead, I'm going to raise the issue early and focus on solving it. So transparency is about being proactive with information. Okay, noted. And so then we got the gift framework in place, which is nice. It's like you're giving a gift to people, which is the foundational generosity I'm with you. That's cool. And so now I want to zoom in on a little bit of the particulars. You have intriguing titles in the book. So how does one master the hello and the goodbye? Okay, so have you, when's the last time someone called you and that you picked up the phone and I still talk on the phone, maybe you don't. Oh, yes, yes, I do. So when's the last time someone called you and you picked up the phone and they started talking and they just launched into whatever they wanted to talk about? They said hello and they said, hi, this is Jody. I wanted to let you know that blah, blah, blah. We're really excited about next weekend or I have a question for you. No, they, here's the thing. What people often don't do is they don't start their conversation with the key question, which is, hi, Pete, how are you? It's Jody Glickman calling. Do you have a few minutes to speak? All right. The request of the few minutes. Yeah, people don't ask you if you have time or people stop by your cube all day long for all your listeners, right? We're sitting there in cube land right now and people drop by all the time to chat and they start talking and then they keep talking and they keep talking and you think, I'm busy, I have work to do. What are we talking about? Or why did you stop by? I didn't invite you in to my pretend cube. Uh-huh. And mastering the long goodbye, it starts with acknowledging that everyone's time is valuable. And again, that goes right back to generosity, but it start with the, do you have a moment to speak or am I catching you at a bad time? That is the generous way to start a conversation and you give someone an out if it's not a good time to speak. Now, I'm wondering for any folks in sales listening right now, I think part of them will be raging against this. Like, don't give them any opportunity ever to escape if you catch them. How do you think about that? So it's interesting. And I will say that LinkedIn is a big client and longstanding client of mine, and they are a sales organization. And so when we talk about the hello and goodbye with LinkedIn, I went to them before I started training all of their new hires for their sales organization. And we talked about this. And I said, listen... 
I live in the world of corporate America that is not sales. I grew up in investment banking. I've been a nonprofit. I've been in government. So I've never been in a sales role. What do you think about asking people if they have a moment to speak? And LinkedIn said to me, you know what? We're about building relationships. Like we do not want to steamroll people. We want to build rapport. And we actually think that's the right thing to do. So I felt somewhat vindicated. I do think there are sales professionals that will say, no way, never going to happen, not going to do it. But what I would say is if you think about a time you've been ambushed by someone who called you and didn't ask you if you had a minute to speak and launches into a sales pitch, nine times out of 10, you are hanging the phone up the phone in disgust thinking, ugh, right, ick right? That was not the conversation that you wanted to have. So I think that you get further when you are transparent and say to someone, Hey, is it a few minutes, do you have a few minutes to speak? I want to talk to you about, you know, X, Y, or Z. And truthfully, if your product is great or your service is great, then, then you're doing them a favor, right? They should want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how about the goodbye? The goodbye is easy, although I'll tell you the goodbye came about because my husband, you know, a decade and a half ago when we were early on in our dating life said to me one day, Julie, I have no idea how to get off the phone. And I said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. It's so awkward. I'll be on the phone with someone that I'm like, okay, goodbye. And I hang up and he looked at me really quizzically. And I said, no, it's, it's goodbye. Thank you so much. It was nice speaking to you. I look forward to staying in touch. And he was like, oh, really? I said, or it's good. Thanks so much for your help. It was great speaking to you. I'll keep you posted on next steps. And so what he didn't understand intuitively and has had to learn and good for him for having the awareness, right? That he didn't know this. The goodbye is thank you plus forward momentum. And you can always thank someone for their time if they weren't helpful, right? Don't say thank you so much for your help if someone wasn't helpful, but you can thank people for their time. And it's always some form of forward momentum. I look forward to staying in touch or would it be all right if I followed up if I had a few questions or I'll keep you posted on how things go or I'll touch base with you in a few months to see how things are going. Okay, makes sense. Thank you. Well, so then tell us now about when you're doing a download, how do you do that in a foolproof way? In a foolproof way. So the foolproof download is really getting anyone to listen to you, right? Getting anyone and everyone I say to listen to you. And the way you do that, and you know this intuitively because you alluded it to it earlier, that you get pitches all the time. And people expect you to take all this time to read through what they've sent you, which is the opposite of generosity. And so the foolproof download is based on one key simple thing, which is leading with the punchline. You have to start front and center with what's new what's different, or what's important. Those are the three questions to ask yourself. What's new, what's different, or what's important. And truth be told, if you don't have information that's new, different, or important, please don't come by my office. <laughs> no, please don't call me on the phone. That's your hurdle, right? You've got to ask yourself the question, am I, am I communicating information here that's new, different, or important? Mm -hmm. That's the test. And oftentimes what happens is if you think about someone who starts a conversation with you or comes in to speak with you at work, they start with the background. They tell you about all the work that they've done or the research they've done or where the project started. And what you, what you really want to do is you're just sitting there thinking, just tell me where we are now, right? What do I need to know? Either what's in, what's in it for me or what's the action I have to take? Then if I want to get the additional information from you, then I can ask about all the other stuff, right? I can get the key facts and supporting highlights. And so again, to your point earlier, 
It's not that you don't do the work. It's that you do more work before you start to talk to someone. You think about all of the information you have and you organize it so that you can lead with the punchline and you can keep the key facts and supporting highlights in your back pocket and bring them out as you need them. Mm -hmm. Yes, very good. I'm all about the answer first there. Yeah. Right on. And so that's the download side of things. And then how about when it comes to managing expectations? So managing expectations, I will contend that you can say no to your boss and still make them love you. You really can. Now, no one wants to be in a position where your manager drops by and asks you to do something and you say, oh, I'm really sorry. I got too much on my plate. I can't do it. No one wants to be in that position. Now, by the same token, if you say yes to everything and you don't have capacity, there's a good chance you are going to fall down. And, and underperform, underdeliver, worst case scenario, right? So pushing back is all about using transparency, using initiative and using generosity. And so the strategy that I always say is if someone comes by and asks you to do something, your answer is, I'd love to help out with whatever crappy piece of work you need mm-hmm. to do. Right? I'd love, sure, of course, Pete, I'd be happy to run that analysis for you. However, here's what's on my plate. I've got A, B, C, D, and E, and here's what I can do for you instead. And so you're being transparent, sharing what's on your plate, not in a way that you're complaining, just saying, here's what I've got on my plate, and then coming up with a solution. Here's what I can do for you instead. If you have any flexibility on timing, I can get this to you later in the week. Or, you know what, I can potentially see about shifting some of the other things on my plate around if you give me a few minutes to go check in with Kate and Larissa. Or... I don't have capacity right now. Here's what I've got on my plate. Why don't I go check in with a few people and see if they have bandwidth or capacity? So you sort of take it on yourself as I'm going to be part of the solution now and help you solve the problem. Okay, very good. Thank you. Well, now, before we hear about some of your favorite things, can you share any other you know, key things you want to make sure to mention about making them love you at work? Let's see. Well, one other quick strategy I'll give is the answering a question you don't know the answer to, because that trips everyone up on a pretty regular basis. We're always operating with imperfect information. And so when someone asks you a question they don't, you don't know the answer to, the strategy is it's super easy. It's foolproof. It's here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's how I'll figure it out. Boom, boom, boom. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's how I'll figure it out. And I want to go back to, you mentioned making them love you. I don't even know if we started at the top talking about making people love you, but the the core, the, the point of gift, right, of generosity, initiative, forward momentum and transparency is making your boss love you, making your colleagues love you, making your clients love you. In a totally platonic, professional, work appropriate, no one's getting sued kind of way. But if you think about it, If your boss, your clients, your colleagues love you, they will do anything and everything to help you succeed. And that's the person you want to be at work. You want to be the person that everyone is rooting for, championing, mentoring, sponsoring, doing all that so that you can be successful no matter what your endeavor is. All right. Very good. Well, now, Jody, could you start us off by sharing a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Robert Gazzetta, former CEO of Coca-Cola, once said, communication is the only task you cannot delegate. And I think about that all the time. I hire, you know, accountants and consultants and you can hire someone to be your attorney or or write a speech for you even. But you can't outsource the daily one-on-one conversations that are so critical to success that are really going to make or break your career. So I like that one. All right. And how about a favorite book? Fiction or nonfiction? We'll take both if two come to mind. Sure. 
Okay, so uh, I'm a little behind the eight curve here, but I just read Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Have you read it? You know, I saw the TED Talk, but I haven't read the book. Yeah, it's amazing. The TED Talk is amazing. And the book is even um, more powerful. And I would say I read a lot of business books, but this one really resonated with me in a deep way and made me make some changes pretty quickly. So that was, that blew, that one was hugely impactful to me in 2017. So I'm going to go with start with why on the nonfiction and on the fiction side, I'm going to go with, God, what have I read lately? Um, The Nightingale. It takes place in World War II and it is about a woman who helps um, her fellow countrymen escape from Nazi Germany uh, through the Pyrenees, like crossing the mountains through France and Spain. It was a, it was a, it's fiction, but it was a phenomenal book. And I like historical fiction. So you, you learn a lot about that time period. And then there was a pretty amazing heroine or protagonist. Oh, very cool. And how about a favorite tool? So that helps you flourish at work. Dropbox saves my life. My whole team collaborates on Dropbox. So I don't know what we would do without Dropbox. All right. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's effective? So I'm not the best at habits. Gretchen Rubin would probably be disappointed with me in terms of my willpower and doing things daily. But I will say that on a regular basis, I find myself, if I am you know, stressed or feeling overwhelmed, I do have a really good sense of when I need to take it outside and get air. Like that's the one thing that for me always really calms my nerves. And so whether it's something really good and I'm really hyper or really bad and I have a problem, I can pretty quickly turn it off and say, you need to get outside for 30 minutes because nothing else will clear your head. And so I go take a walk or take a run, or even if I need like a long bike ride at night, I'm really good about knowing that for me, the only reliever of stress is physical exertion. Sure thing. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch with you, where would you point them? www.greatonthejob.com. You can go to our website. You can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at great on the job. You can check us out on LinkedIn or on Facebook, great on the job. And we did also just launch and thrilled to say our first online product in partnership with Pearson Education, which is one of the largest learning companies in the world. And we built a platform with all of the great in the job content that is mobile, bite-sized, social, visually stunning, and can help you, um, can help companies really drive employee engagement, employee productivity, you know, immediately. So very excited and proud of that initiative. All right. Do you have a final call to action or challenge for folks seeking to be awesome at their job? You know, I always say, try and do one thing. Take today with you or tomorrow and say, okay, I'm going to focus on putting generosity into practice for a week, or I'm going to put initiative or forward momentum. One thing that you think would make a huge difference for you and for everyone, it's different. There's no right answer. We all have different strengths and weaknesses, as you know, Pete. So it's about what resonates with you. What would change right now if you started being generous and leading with the punchline, or you started being generous and asking people if they had a moment to speak, what would change in the next week in your life? Or for you, if it's being more transparent, what would change if your manager tomorrow came to you and instead of saying, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You said, listen, I'd love to, but here's what's on my plate and here's what I could do instead. So I would say, take one of those four key themes of gift, give yourself a week, put it into practice and see the impact that it has in your performance at work. All right. 
Well, Jody, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing this good stuff and keep on making them love you. Thank you. Keep on making them awesome. This was so fun, Pete. I really dig that notion about generosity because sometimes I get caught up in thinking, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much time refining this piece of email or communication or messaging. I think, is this efficient? Am I taking up too much time? This is kind of a hassle. I got more stuff to do. And then that just helps me reframe it in terms of, no, this is a gift. I am being generous and kind to someone else. I would love it if they would do the same for me as they communicate with me. And it just makes me feel better about the time I invest is that it is doing some good for a person. And hopefully they'll appreciate it, or at the very least, they won't be irritated because we've sidestepped some of those mistakes we discussed. So again, if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we referenced here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F190. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to push subscribe. Next episode, you'll hear from Ann Janzer. We're talking about writing, doing it well. Hope to catch you then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.